We're closed. Oh, dear. Did you know I was coming? Yeah, sort of comes to the territory. What do you want? I want you to tell me that I'm not the Dragon Reborn. Okay, you're not the Dragon Reborn. You don't have to protect my feelings. I definitely don't care how you feel. You're just another guy in another bar that wants something from me. I, I think we got off on the wrong foot. I'm sorry, I didn't even introduce myself. I know who you are. Look me in the eye and tell me that you want to know what I've got to say. Because once you do, there's no turning back. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back again. This is Woody. This is Nate. And your hard-hitting, no-beg-your-pardons podcasters coming at you on the very best of all days. A-cop-twat day. A-cop-twat day. A couple of pricks talk wheel of time. It's what Absolutely. you guys have been waiting for. It's what you guys have been demanding. And we're it's here to insisting. provide. They've insisted upon it. They've insisted. And we're here to deliver. Yeah. And deliver is what we do. Unlike this episode. <laughs> but this episode... Um, mm. bit mixed feelings about this one. I won't lie. My feelings are not that mixed. Mm. It's turtles all the way down, Matt. <laughs> it is. It is turds all the way down. Oh no, turtles. Sorry, yes. my mistake. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could just jump straight into the cold open, which yeah. we like to do. Holy shit! <laughs> which was the highlight of the episode, right? That's like probably one of the best cold opens I've seen in any show in recent memory. Yes, it like I fucking yeah, slapped. Oh, I did As it. the I, kids say. I, it was fire. <laughs> I tell you, I don't think that I've said holy shit as many times as I have in my life when I was watching it. Then I realised she's pregnant. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was good. Like, even from a technical perspective, there was a couple of good editing bits there where, if I mean, if you really examine it, you can go, oh, there's the dude waiting for his attack. But generally speaking, it flowed so well that you didn't see it that yeah. quick. A few wobbly spears aside... Hmm. I'm not talking about Britney in her latest Instagram video. <laughs> Should we have freed Britney? That's a question we might need to ask ourselves in the next six to eight months. But obviously, and we've said this before in not only this show, but other shows as well, and certainly a bugbear of mine, is that the biggest problem with multiple opponent fight sequences is that they often run the same sequence from beginning to end and then they stop it and then have to go do it again from a different camera angle. And Mm. then the fuckery in the editing room has a dude standing there swinging his sword doing nothing. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? But they tighten this up. I only saw one moment where I went, ah, he's waiting. But very cool. And then they fucking stabbed the baby, which they didn't. But holy shit. Yeah, that was a little... Yay! thought, holy crap. Maybe this isn't going to turn out the way I thought it was. But it was very impressive. Very, very well done. So she's an Aiel. This is where it gets a little bit interesting. Okay. This is a scene that, again, is mentioned or referred to in the books. We never read Mm. this scene in the books. But to explain who she is, I need Mm. to give you a bit of backstory into the Aiel. And it wasn't until I saw the new Dune Mm. that I realized how much, as a society, as as people, the Fremen reminded me of them. Right. So that's really interesting you say that now, because it's probably about second or third to last paragraph I've got here. I've got strong Dune vibes in this one. Mm. I feel that there's like two main influences on the Wheel of Time, just from my own personal perceptions here, is Lord of the Rings and Dune. And they're done well. They're not, they don't appear to be blatant rip-offs. They, they've done well. But I don't know about these IELs. So please, sorry, continue. To the point where when I got out of the cinema after seeing Dune, because I still haven't read the book because I am a garbage person, 
and <laughs> and let's be honest, the eighties movie is it's, its own special thing. It's something. It's, I mean, it's, it's, something. it's got a place in my heart, but it is certainly something. <laughs> yes. So I left the cinema, and literally the first thing that I did on my phone is, are the Aiel based on the Fremen? Right. Apparently, there's conjecture. The generous viewpoint is that they've both been inspired by the same real-world cultures. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a, a similarity there that I think is is undeniable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, June came out in 1965. For fuck's sake! Yeah. I mean, it was it to, not to turn this into a June podcast, but I think people forget that tropes weren't tropes when they're from the Earth source. <laughs> when they're yeah. from, I mean, I've I've mentioned this to you just in passing that I sometimes can't watch The Godfather because yeah. it's like, oh fuck, there's that line. Oh fuck, there's that beat, and then then you've got to stop yourself and go, hang on, this was the first time. Yeah, these weren't you know, tropes. These became these tropes, tropes because, <laughs> because this thing that was yeah. made was so groundbreaking that everyone then copied it. Exactly right. Someone so, always had to be the first. Yeah. George Lucas admits he... I mean, they all took from each other and the name escapes me at the moment, which director said it, but if you do it well, it's an homage. Hmm. If you do it poorly, you've stolen it. Yeah. Like it's, you know, so... Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting because I, I guess probably in my head... The Fremen, the Aiel, they're just Bedouins to me. Mm. Like that's they're just the the next step of a Bedouin. Actually, that brings me to a question. But have you finished your where we have to understand where the Aiel come from? No, actually, no, not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, this we, is a a classic, a couple of bricks tangent. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. We haven't had a whole lot in this series so far, but we, this yeah, is a good. We try to keep them to a minimum. So they are a desert society, and that's obviously mm-hmm. seeing them in the desert makes the Fremen link a bit more clear. But they are a warrior society. Every man, basically, unless he's a blacksmith, is mm-hmm. a warrior. And right. all the men join different warrior societies. So mm-hmm. the IEL nation, it's divided into clan, sept, hold. So the clan right. is the overarching, the sept is more regional, and then the hold is kind of your city. Not city, but yet where you live. But within that, there are multiple warrior societies. So there's Mm -hmm. things like the stone dogs, the water seekers, different people who sort of do different things, but that's their society that they're bonded to. That means as much to an Aiel as their clan does. So when clans are at war, which happens all the time because they live in the desert, water is very scarce, so mm-hmm. there are wars fought and battles fought about water and crops and mm-hmm. grazing rights and stuff like that. Members of the same society won't fight each other when their clans are at war. Ah, uh, okay. So you've got all those warrior societies, and then you mm. have the Maidens of the Spear, mm-hmm. which is for women that want to fight. And mm-hmm. Aiel don't use swords. There's a whole backstory that might get looked at at some stage, but mm-hmm. Aiel don't use swords. They will use bows, but their primary weapon is the spear. Mm. As we see with this lady here, Shale mm-hmm. is her name. Okay. So all of that is to say that she is a maiden of the spear. She was not born Aiel. Ah, okay. All right. To me, the reason I went immediately Aiel is A, she was dressed almost identically to the Aielman that they buried in episode three, I think. Yep. And the red hair, pale skin. I went, oh, yep, that's the description that L'Oreal 
because you're worth it, <laughs> he described before. So, yes. okay, so oh, that's interesting. So, okay, cool. So, I've actually got a couple of questions then. Yeah. The whole genre of this series is an epic high fantasy genre, right? Yes. So, are the people of this world slightly above the stock standard humans like you'd find in the tropes? Like, you know, in Lord of the Rings, you've got the Numenorians who are like the Gillette of humans. Mm. Is that kind of like everyone here is just, if I was to be suddenly teleported into that world, I'd get my ass handed to me by even the lowliest merchant dude? Or I don't think so. I just think it's okay. like we talk about in role-playing. Mm. Every character is a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're only seeing the people who are interesting. Yeah, okay. All right. I was, cause I was, just, I was just curious because just the way the fighting style, where everyone just seems to be just a little bit tougher, mm. a little bit faster, a little bit better. But it just seemed to be across the board. Like, I didn't get a feeling. I guess I'm throwing back to when the Trollocs attacked in episode one. People got their asses handed to them, but then they quickly rallied and fought yeah. back and worked together and whatnot. Whereas in other sort of fantasy... They just all would novels, have been... Yeah, they down. just get slaughtered to the last person. So yeah. I just wondered that. And the way the spectacular choreography and the very distinctive fighting style that they gave this um, not Aiel woman. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. And I like the idea she dragged that dude's cape and he yanked him off his mm. feet. I was like, mm. that's it. Well, that that's was the shot that was in the, the trailer. Oh, was it? The, yeah, the, ah. the, the jumping with the cape was one of the trailer shots. It's like, oh, <gasps> we're going to see the blood snow. That battle is called the uh, Battle of the Blood Snow. Right. Okay, that actually comes into my question later, which I think I'll just get to when we get to that. In any event, it was very, very cool. Yes. A couple of minor things. Mm-hmm. while it might have appeared initially that she was just being very COVID safe with the mask, pulling the mask down. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's their veil. That's part of their culture. She really should have pulled that veil up when she battled. Aiel keep their faces oh. veiled when they're killing people. Okay. So that was just a little niggle, but fantastic scene. Maybe relied a bit too heavily on a couple of slow-mo shots, but on the whole, I thought yes. it was... Dope ass scene. The slow mo is, is just it's that's us now. I think yeah. that's um. I was very impressed with it so much so I actually rewound it and watched it again. Yeah, because I thought no, that's actually worth having a, another look. I especially enjoyed the moment where she spun and she held the two guys at bay with the two spears. Like they're kind of like thinking, oh shit, should I attack now and whatnot. I thought that was just a very slick piece of choreography. Yeah, but we're back into it, picking up where we left off. So I made this note because. So they're in the ways, they go through the door, and then the bright idea is to, well, quickly open the way gate again. And I think Igwen says that she hasn't got enough power. Mm. And L'Oreal says, you're not allowed to channel in the ways. And that bumped on me so hard because of the way we talked in the last podcast. Because I'm pretty sure you said in the books, channeling is not required to open a gate. Yes. Obviously, need to channel to open a gate, <laughs> and you're not allowed to channel in the ways it, at that point in time. And still, really, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so even at the I end wondered, of that, she channels to get out, right? <laughs> like, so, so maybe just, you do it at the end. So when yeah, so Martin Sheen does it or Machu Picchu or whatever they call it. <laughs> I couldn't have seen it. What's a Machin Sheen? No, Machin Sheen, the Black <laughs> Yes. Yes, yeah, but there's no way I can say Black Wind without going, <laughs> so it well, maybe Martin Sheen. Yeah. So it's going to eat your soul, which I thought was interesting. Like yeah. it's sort of set up with this little bad guy, and then of course we've got fucking Perrin, the dopey-eyed fuck. Oh, fuck that guy. 
But I like the point that Igwen made, which was Matt actually chose not to come with them. They didn't leave him behind. Yes. Because everyone's going, oh, no, we left him behind. So, no, we didn't. Yeah. He fucking stood there and we got the 25 minutes of Matt, 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 Matt. I mean, my name's, you know, that's my name. I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. I was fucking bored listening to that. And then they're off on Through the Minds of Moria. <laughs> <laughs> that's the note that I have as well. That, well. that one thing that I wanted to to not do in this mm. episode, I don't want to harp on things that are different from the books because that ship mm. has sailed. Let's look at this for what it is. Yeah. If there's something that's valid, mm-hmm. then I'll raise it. But yes, definite Minds of Moria vibes to the fact that mm. when I first saw Fellowship, when they're going through the mines, and here, it made me think of the Black Wind. Everything uh, but the Balrog okay. itself, because obviously it's a physical, yep. has a physical form. Watching that the first time was like, fuck, this guy just steals his ideas from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so through this process we've got Lan and Maureen discussing Matt yep and to me I, I really smashed into this hard because it's just so sloppy it's hard knowing how much of this is because the actor fucking off so just from a storytelling perspective if it is possible that Matt is the dragon reborn then she's actually leading everybody else there to their death yep so she's completely gambling so in my head I quickly made a quick and on the fly screen, right, where Lamb would say something along the lines of, well, what if it was him? And for Marine to say, it's a risk, but I can't explain why, but I feel his destiny lies in another direction, probably east. <laughs> but, but, but boom, there's like your solution. You know what I mean? Just to give a little bit of a, yeah, look, it's, it's not him. Calm down, everybody. You've got four other people that it could be in this room. We're not going to be with him because they keep saying in the show, well, what if it's him? What if it's him? So to quote Batman versus Superman, if there was even a 1% chance and we have to take it as an absolute certainty, mm. if there is a 1% chance that Matt could be the one, then you have to go back and get him and make him come along. To me, it just read like a bad RPG moment. Yeah. <laughs> it, made, it read like a bad moment where for some goddamn reason, They've disappeared. We needed to yeah, split up the party again without a good, <laughs> yeah. a good reason. You, you don't. Rule number one was broken. You don't split the party. Oh look, the fucking rogue has decided to split the party. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I thought when you were saying that, I didn't think it during the show, but we know that Moraine is hyper focused, mm. and we saw with the ferryman with Krista Berg that mm. she's totally willing to. She won't actively kill someone, but she's no. willing to let people die to mm. get what she needs. Part of me's thinking. Well, if it is Matt, we'll find out in four deaths. Yeah, that's a risk, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's dark. Yeah. Yeah, look, I just think if they'd have just thought about it for a second and even just... And I mean, look, hindsight's a beautiful thing. If it and was just riding on the fly to give you an out yeah. later on, who knows? Yeah, to just give her a little bit of moment where she says, I can't explain to you why, but I think his destiny lies somewhere else, something like that. Mm would give you a go, oh, okay. And it also doesn't suggest that she could sense all along. She's just got an inkling at this moment. Anyway, I couldn't help but sing Peter Frampton's Ooh Baby, I Love Your Ways as they kept walking through. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very cool. Like, don't get me wrong. Except it was really too dark to catch any detail. Yeah. That was my problem with it. I mean, L'Oreal dropped some world building. The ways were once vibrant and green, but now they're not. Yep. And there's no explanation why, which would be my first fucking question. Yes. Like it's very infuriating when characters don't seem to ask the obvious question. Like, you know, why? <laughs> it's, and, and if there's no answer, then fine. The, the answer is, is my favourite answer, the taint. <laughs> oh, the good old taint. Right, it's been tainted. The ways have been tainted. Mm-hmm. 
The Tainted Ways. The Tainted Ways, <laughs> which gave birth... Isn't that the song the, by Soft Cell? I think it is. <laughs> which gives birth to The Black Sweat. The, sorry, the black, the black Wind. Black Wind. <laughs> working, working on The Black Sweat. I, t- I heard that in fucking David Jones the other day. Oh, I tell awesome. You, and look, the world does not need to see a white man that looks like me trying to get his groove onto Prince, but those motherfuckers saw it and they should be grateful. So you say the world doesn't need to see it. I see the world demands to see it. I think this is the tonic the world needs now. None of this standing out on your balconies at 8 o'clock and banging pots and pans. No, sir. No, sir. I want to see you dancing to Prince and David Jones. That's what I need. Uh, I'm not not the hero the world needs. I'm the hero the world deserves. So we could really look back on 2021 <laughs> with some horror. Yes. Uh, so Lan, Lan and Nanu Nanu have a bit of a moment Yep. here, which is nice. Lan's assuring Nanu Nanu that Matt is safer wherever he is. And then suddenly Perrin can fucking see in the dark. So I've got a question about this guiding stone. Yes. Is that the same stone or similar stone to one that I called out earlier? Because it's, it's got runes on it and stuff, and I wanted to call it a guiding stone. I thought, oh, I wondered if that's one of those ones there. If the stone that we saw in that early episode is what mm. I think it is, then yep. it's not the same thing. Right. It's a different stone. The, the guidings are just your, your signpost. Yeah. So yeah, look, it, it made sense. Yeah, and, and we needed Gandalf, sorry, L'Oreal, to, to take a moment to ponder which direction we go. Yeah. There's a moment there where Rand says to Perrin, how did he see the stone? And there's that D&D trope. And I was just expecting Perrin to say, I have dark vision. Which is, you know, like that trope that any time a DM is trying to describe how dark the corridor is, the first fucker jumps up and goes, I've got dark vision. And you're like, oh, could you just let thanks. me fucking set the scene? You can't. I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just as soon as he said it, I'm like, yep, yep thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that's all. I've got dark vision. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, he can see well. Well, obviously, yeah, now we, we can see why, because he's, he's got a wolfness to it. Yes. <laughs> so, I like how Rain and Egwene get a little bit cosy, and, and they just focus in on Perrin as he has a bit of a sulk. Like, this is the lamest love triangle. <laughs> oh, this, this, this is one of the reasons why I just this episode just didn't fucking fly for me. No, it was, it's pretty shitty acting all yeah. over. And just unnecessarily <clears throat> clumsy... Yeah, fucking whatever. They're all chilling out while Loyal reads the guiding. And then, boom, Trolloc. Well, I've got here, everyone's resting up, getting their hit points back. (laughs) And a Trolloc attacks. So, yeah. And then we get this moment. He gets, blasts the fuck off the bridge. And now we get this exposition of how they got to the Twin Rivers without notice. Yes. Which I thought was an interesting thing to suddenly drop in there. It was, it was probably not what I would say from the get-go. How the fuck do they get in here? I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe when they were sitting down later recovering their hit points again yeah. and learning their new spells for the day, yeah. then he could have said, but right in the midst of battle, that's when he turns and looks at her and says, that's how they got through the Twin Rivers. Yeah. Uh, clunk. Yeah. So I'm at this point, I'm like, well, can the fade open the ways? Like, because you got me fucked. Like, not you specifically, but the the show's got me fucked now. With if you need a channeler to open the ways, and yeah. men can't channel and women can't, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah. what's going on? Can the fade do it? Did the yeah. trollic have some kind of shaman who can do it? So, and then there's another spanner thrown in that a little bit later on. Mm, exactly. It just 
I don't know. Yeah. But someone's channel pushed the Trolloc of the Edge. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, then so... we're attacked by the bees. Yeah, because Pippin drops the helmet down the well <laughs> and has woken the Balrog. And Martin Sheen comes in and starts, starts whispering all their fears and doubts. Mm. Not the president. <laughs> Hashtag not my president. <laughs> what the hell? President Bartlett. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know. Be yeah. better, Martin. Come on. Jed. God I, damn it, Jed. I don't even want to know you. From, 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 from a from effects perspective, I actually thought that was pretty cool, especially when Nanu Nanu gets her scream on and whatnot. But I guess we should say that was when we got the quick flash of Black Fagan. Payton Fane is standing there, and, then, and I know it's him because I cheated. I freeze framed. Yeah. When we get that lightning flash, and there's Payton Fane standing there. Because we, we do have land say, oh, we're being followed. That's right. A little bit earlier on in the piece. So now I'm going, okay, so Black Fagan's obviously a channeler or he can open the ways, or he's got an object, and then I remember you talking about those magical items. So anyway, lots of things were going through my head, like, yeah. well, what could go on here? But I thought it was pretty good. I thought Maureen had simply been taken by surprise by Jed Bartlett, and was sort of just getting her wits together. Nanu Nanu gets her screen on, and then Maureen comports herself, opens up the ways, and then they're out. Yeah. So it was a good little moment. And I mean, I don't think we need to go through everything. I mean, just people start doubting whispers and shit in their head, which is a bit different later on. I have a point about that. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I didn't hate it. No. But it was just a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. My biggest problem with that is what we just talked about, the shoehorning in of this parent and Gwen bullshit. Like, yeah. You killed your wife because you love another woman. Don't even begin. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's there. It's been there the whole time. If you're paying attention, mm. the triangle thing's there been the whole time. Like, I was utterly unsurprised by it yeah. all. The longing looks. Obviously, Perrin and his wife weren't really getting along. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I just assumed they'd make him in love with Rand because, you know, woke. <laughs> <laughs> but a very cool-looking fortress. Mm-hmm. Faldara. Faldara, yeah. Like, it's a nice little star fortress. I don't know if you noticed that, but it had those nice star pilots and stuff. I'm a big sort of fortress sort of dude, and I liked it. It looked pretty easy to defend. Yes. But i got a question. If this cool-looking fortress is a day's walk from the eye of the world, mm-hmm. where the fuck was the other way gate going to take them? Like, right there? This was a quick, let's run next door to Maureen and she'll know what to do Yeah. as they go to this gate. It would have been in the blight. Okay. Let's get to the blight later. <laughs> the tainted blight. But it was a cool-looking fortress, nonetheless. Yeah. I did have a little note. Oh, look, Jabba's palace got an upgrade. As <laughs> they're walking along. Yeah. And we see that nice caravan of people coming in and out of the city. And this is pretty clearly Land's homeland, or at least where he's from, given yes. the, the way he's dressed, given the other ethnicities there. I mean, there's a bit of a culture mash. Yes. There's definite samurai vibe with a touch of sort of the fantasy Asia that everybody seems yeah. to liberally appropriate <laughs> from... I've got a note here, which is not about the show. It was, I'm expecting some... You know how last episode I said I wasn't going to bitch about world-breaking anymore? <laughs> well, I deleted many paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, I just went, I'm not bitching about this yeah. shit. I can't, because it's too on the nose. Mm. But we meet Ming the Merciless here. I had him as the Mandarin. <laughs> the Mandarin. <laughs> the Trevor Slattery. Yes. I went, I went way back. I went for a Flash Gordon deep yeah. cut <laughs> way back there. Very cool outfit, but again, we've got Mongol slash Japan slash China, slash a bit of Korea was in there as well. Like there was just so many. We talk about racism and appropriation and blah, 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 blah. I think that's the worst type of appropriation where they've grabbed a little bit of everything to sort of say, oh, well, it doesn't actually represent China. It's yeah. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. People forget, and they forget until probably only 1950s and whatnot, those countries, Japan, 
China, Mongolia, Korea, just to name those ones. And let, let's leave the Philippines and the Singaporeans and whatnot alone for a second. They fucking hated each other and were at war. Japan had occupied large swathes of China during World War II. In my opinion, kind of pretty fucking rude to just go, we're going to take a house from China. We're going to take samurai from Japan. We're actually, what we're going to do is homogenize this beautiful little Asian culture and make it yeah. look. That's, that's how I felt, honestly, about it. So I actually went the other way. So not only does this break the world, this is actually a little bit insulting. And clearly, we are privileged white people. Mm. But I know what that feels like when there's a New Zealander playing an Aussie. Fucking massive crow. Fucking who does he think he is? <laughs> so true, oh, though. Wait, it's we're, so we're, true. We're different cultures, people. We're, we can't just lump us all together. Right. We say mate. We don't say cuzzy bro. And that's what you need to know. And if you fuckers don't know the difference between thongs and jandals, well, fuck, I don't I mean, want to know about you. Esky? Chili bin? Fuck, guys. Fuck. It's... Oh, oh, forget about it. Fucking forget about it. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we've got a lovely melange of Asian fantasy here. Yes. And a little bit of Middle Eastern too, let's face it. Ming the Merciless has been a bit rude here. He's yeah. got his nose out of joint, which made me initially think that he wasn't holding the blight back very well at all. That's how I got a real vibe from that. Like It's yep. like maybe he's posturing a little bit. And as an L5R fanboy, I couldn't help but get a real strong Crab Daimyo meets Crane Courtier vibe there. Yes. Like I just went, oh, that's exactly how that meeting would go. Yeah. <laughs> rude, but still outwardly polite, but rude. So I got that real vibe there. And then when she finally says, hey, listen, fucko. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> this is not what I was here for. Yeah. Trollocs are in the ways. It wasn't until my second viewing, I don't know if you noticed this at all, but Ming the Merciless says to that guy, the Middle Eastern dude, do as she says. And the, the motherfucker just nods and then stays put. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. In actual fact, what he does is when it cuts back to the long shot, you see that he's nodded to some other little lackey who's run <laughs> off in the distance. Oh, no. well, I, didn't, I didn't see that the first time around. So I'm genuinely going, you were just given an order and you just nod and stand there? <laughs> Not to be completely culturally insensitive, but chop, chop, motherfucker. <laughs> I can get after it, son. Not... Oh, fucking hell. And of course, now we get the shot of Black Fagan coming out of the ways. Just strolling like he's uh, in a fucking park on a Sunday. Yeah. So he's cool. Like, there's something about him. He's definitely got something. I'm tipping. It's not necessarily even bit in yellow or whatever here, but I'm tipping that he's not a... He can't channel. I'm tipping that he's got a device of some description that will open the gates. That's what I think. Yep. This is my bit that I was talking about with the June because the meeting between Maureen and Ming's sister, such Bene Gesserit vibes. Mm. That's what I was getting from that whole thing. You know, which it's not a bad thing because it's, again, it's done well, but that's where I was getting that real Dune influence and yep. Lord of the Rings sort of thing there. So, question then in blue which so this is the ones just to remind the, the viewers not that they can see my sheet but I'll write it in blue if I've actually after an answer if you're not strong enough to be an Aes Sedai you're still actually allowed to channel as long as you're not a man is that basically it? and I don't mean it you know yeah. man fuck man patriarchy shit I'm just saying as long as you're not a man if, if you're not strong enough to be an Aes Sedai but you can learn enough control to not kill yourself you can go back right. around your business because you'll never be able to do anything more than impress people by lighting light candles, candles and doing party tricks. <laughs> I like I like my magic. Who the fuck do I think I am? I like magic in the... You, you either have to explain it in absolute explicit detail or 
I like it to be this abstract, powerful thing that has these interesting rules. You know, like those stupid rules. A vampire can't come near you if the, you've got garlic on or something. Or they can't yeah. come across the threshold of your house unless they're invited in. It's a yeah. stupid rule. It makes no sense. How the fuck are they going to do it? But anyway, they hold to it. And I like the idea that magic's not so frivolous that you just throw your hand and you'd light candles. Yeah. Or conversely, that if you did do that and you were so frivolous with your power, imagine what you actually could do. Do you know what I mean? Like you, To me, you either take it to the nth degree where you're so powerful that magic is really dangerous and you, but you're going to waste that power just by turning on lights. So you sort of set up that this dude is not to be messed with. Yeah. In this instance, it just seemed to be like, look at me, please let me join your club. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's kind of what I got. I went, oh, it just seems so... <laughs> What are you going to do? Yeah. But this is where I got the strongest Bene Gesserit vibes. Because I was wondering if they're spies or anything in the place. It's, if that's what they do. Because there's this wonderful scene in June that's in neither film adaption. And it's just a very short one. It's a communique between the Lady Jessica and the Bene Gesserit woman who's called Morgan Fenring. And through a coded message, kind of like Braille on a piece of paper, it's, this is wonderful. Welcome to Arrakis. I hope you have a great stay. Tip your waiter sort of thing across the front of it. But while she's reading this message, she's running her fingers across the back of the page. And getting the real message. Yeah, which says, hey, there's fucking Harkonnen treachery here. They're after Paul. They've booby-trapped his room. All of this sort of thing. And I got that real vibe here with Ming's sister being loyal to her brother, Mm. but also a little bit to the Amelon seat, like sort of worked in that. They felt like they were doing a lot of doublespeak while they were talking to another. A lot of rulers do have Aesodai advisors. Mm. Very few of them are open about it. Yeah. They'll have someone who's just around advising. Some of them will have them as their right hand as part of their council. Some will, yeah. Yeah, some will have them openly. Most do not. Yeah, okay. Because they're there as advisors, but they're also there to guide them to what the White Tower wants. I get it. That, well, that was certainly something that I, I picked up on there because she even says, like, I'm not Amelon Seat's bitch, but I am here to help. Yeah. Because then, fucking, this was a holy shit moment for me. Maureen Six, Lanolin Red's mob and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's not fucking around. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, I love it. Mm. I, can I assume this is a huge departure from the books because yes. Matt would be, yeah. <laughs> like, like, holy shit. Anyway. While I think people who use the following phrase should fucking kill themselves, I'm here for this. That's <laughs> like a piece I'm of work. I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> I am fucking here for it. And the, even the music, everything, the fucking eyes just hardened. Oh, man, yep. I was fucking boom. And I, <laughs> I think I dropped a twisty on my, my, like, on my over, oversized belly. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, Damn. son. <laughs> the, the, the opening battle didn't drop any twisties. No, not a twisty to be dropped, but that was a, oh, shit. <laughs> I've got another question in blue, so question I'm after a, an answer if, if it doesn't ruin the world. Rand is just strolling around with a heron-marked blade. Yes. Now, are these only recognisable if he can see the mark, or would somebody look at that and go, hang on a fucking minute, like this is a kid walking around with a heron-marked blade, or it's only when they pull it out? Or Generally, you can see that it's a heron when it's hilted. Yeah. Because it's it's mentioned a couple of times in various books that, people look at Rand oddly because he's carrying this sword around. Right. Well, I would have liked to have seen that, to be honest, when he's walking through the streets. Especially yeah. since... Yeah, fucking um, handbox sword. What the fuck? Yeah. And I think it's not been confirmed, but I'm pretty sure Land's got a heron-marked sword. I think he would, yes. 
Yeah, I and it, it certainly hasn't been cons- confirmed in here, but I just would think that that would. I, I just would have liked a few people to sort of stop and stare a little bit. And that feeds into what I have to say a little bit later on, because it just would have separated Ran out a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this further as well, how rushed this whole fucking season's been. Because what yep. I wouldn't have given for Lan and, and Ran to have a little bit of dueling practice with one another, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like to give, hey boy, if you're going to carry that sword, <laughs> it's not good enough that it's your father's. Hashtag not my, not my real dad. <laughs> and that absolutely does happen in the books. Oh, there you go. See, that's missing. That's sorely, yep. sorely, sorely missing. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, like if, and again, if we take that samurai analogy and whatnot, if you carry a sword, you're expected to be able to use it. If you carried the Daishio, you were expected to be able to use the katana if mm-hmm. challenged. You, you went to a bit of go, oh, actually, <laughs> just carrying this from, I'm waiting here for a mate. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of wondered that with the Heramar blade. Like, I would have liked to have seen a few people look at that and pay attention to him as he walked by. Also, because he stands out like dog's balls compared to everybody else with his yeah. hair. Like, at least somebody could have looked at him and gone... Not so much in Tarbalon, but certainly in... In other places where he's he's been and... Yeah. So, parents, he's Pat and Fane, and Nanu Nanu drops that he must be dead because she didn't see him casually tip the fuck out the door when the trollic's attached. So... I'm trying to figure out what the fucking endgame is here with Payton Fane. Like, why does he insinuate himself into the picture? If he wants to be found, then walk on up and say, sup. And if he doesn't, why is he risking it? So that's a... Well, it's not even yellow, but I'm just trying to figure that out. Like, what's his fucking game here? Because it's not like he's popping up to sort of sow dissent or anything. It doesn't appear to be sowing any dissent. Like, no. people don't suddenly start making stupid decisions when he's around. Yeah, I just would have liked to have seen... I don't know, like maybe now Matt's not there, he's going to target Perrin, you know, and if that's the case, what's his gain? It just seems a bit strange. Why yeah. are you making yourself see but not seeing? Yeah, that was probably that's not necessary because we, we know he's there. Yeah. but And look, I haven't said anything now, but for fuck's sake, someone must have just told the actor who plays Perrin, just droop your head and mumble and that's going to give you a really deep brooding thought because this, oh, this fucking guy, he's so bad. He's so, so fucking bad. He's a graduate of the Harrison Ford School of Acting. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just terrible. And he makes everybody else look so good in comparison. Because <laughs> a little bit later when he's not around, I'm like, oh, these cunts can't act either. <laughs> so he, he's the uh, ugly friend that makes everyone look better when he's He is. He's the duff designated fat friend. Yeah. He's the designated dull actor. Yeah. So a nice little moment of comradeship in the bar with the famous four, mm-hmm. the Rocksteady crew, before yes. the Oracle comes in. Min. Min, yeah. Now, I, I really liked her. I've got a little note here. Just I'm going to just jump ahead to it. I actually really liked her as an actress. I would have liked to have seen her as Nanu Nanu. Yeah. If I had a chance to recast, yeah. I would have liked to have seen her. I just think she had a naturalness about her. I liked that character a lot. Yeah, similar to Glee Man, you know, you immediately warmed to them because they they could act. (laughs) You immediately, well, I immediately believed her. Yes. Everything she did, I completely believed what she was doing. I believed the sighing, I believed the tiredness of the pouring of the drinks, the, I don't really want to fucking do this. I I bought right into it completely. So should we talk about these visions that she had? So Min exists in the book and she does see things about people. Kind of an issue with it a bit later on, but it's shown differently here mm-hmm. there's yeah, some oddness so Perrin has yellow eyes and yeah. blood all over his chin so we can kind of figure that out yeah, yeah he's getting getting a bit wolfy actually here Rand's holding a baby 
Yeah. What the fuck? That's new to me. I've got nothing on that Oh, new. Okay, yeah. What I wondered, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but what I wondered a little bit later when she's relaying that story about a dude walking, Mm. holding a baby, I wondered whether she was overlaying that a little bit. Anyway, it was just weird to me. And then she talks about a ring of gold and white flame, the two girls. Mm -hmm. And I took that to mean the ring of gold being one of them's going to join the Aes Sedai. Yep. And the other one, I don't know what the white flame is. And I was a bit, oh, fuck. Don't tell me she goes to the children of the white or whatever they are. And I thought that just, that would make no sense to me. Okay. But that's kind of what I got. Because I immediately went full horoscope mode. Yes. <laughs> and started at trying to make tenuous links. <laughs> got at my red, ta- red string. And I started getting pins yeah. and moving them around. So that's what I took from it. It does mean something, but not for books yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. Groovy. Min's clearly lying her ass off though. I mean, Maureen's not a good lie detector at all. Like, you could tell she was being deliberately evasive and whatnot, which is fair enough. Which you, which you would, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> we get the fucking idea that the Amelin seat is going to be Maureen's downfall. But, and this bit's in yellow. Again, to the listeners, I don't want this confirmed. This is my little suggestion here. She doesn't say which Amelin seat. So if Lanolin Red takes up the mantle, then I think this gels and I think there's something to that I actually okay. think that Maureen's going to think it's the current Amelin seat whereas in my head canon which is another phrase I hate Lanolin Red's making a play for the seat while Maureen's away and Maureen's going to come back and Lanolin Red's going to be the Amelin seat and in which case yes that's going to be the beginning of the end for Maureen well that's I like little, it that's my little you know I like where you're going with it yeah that was probably wrong but I don't care <laughs> I like it no no it's good but that was a really good scene, actually. I think that could have been about an episode six scene, maybe an episode seven scene, not a... Um, I should clarify that. I think this show should absolutely, unequivocally have been a 12-episode season. Just given things, time to breathe. A, a chance to breathe, yeah. Because absolutely, this season has mm. been the entirety of Game of Thrones. Slow, 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 slow. Fuck, we've got one season left. Let's put it all in now. It has, absolutely has, yeah. and it's, it's suffering badly for it. Speaking of suffering badly, nice little you know, unintentional segue, Maureen doesn't mince words and tells them that they're not going to survive, mm. which is good. Only one of you is going to survive. I was getting a little tired of Nanu Nanu and her bravado here. Yes, I like, She too. might be one of the most powerful channelers around, but she's letting it get to a head. <laughs> you know, like I still think she could get her ass kicked. Take a seat, a matter bitch. of seconds. You might <laughs> yeah. be strong, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Exactly. And I'm just, I'm tired of that obnoxious bravado. It's just silly. And it's even sillier coming from her when I would think now there will be a case of she's had a touch of the power of what she can do, what's capable, what's out there, when she can't control it, where she should be looking at Moraine and others of her ilk who can control it, who can do some pretty powerful stuff and start to think, oh shit, I am such a fucking guppy in an ocean of fucking megalodons. Hmm. So let's just calm the fuck down. Anyway, that's that was just my take on it. Nice little dropping in a sorely Oscar neglected movie, the Megalodon, the Meg. Yeah, the Meg. <laughs> How I don't understand. I mean, that is classic cinema. <laughs> Interesting decision making process we've got going on here. I don't know if she's sort of playing it out, but I got the feeling when they're all talking about whether they're going to go or not. I took for a moment here that I thought Gwen thinks she's the Dragon Reborn. Hmm. And I also think that Nanu Nanu thinks that she's the Dragon Reborn. So I think they both think they are. Yeah. And I think that's a bit why Gwen's pretty dismissive about Matt. Yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not here because fuck it, I'm the dragon. Yeah. And if you're only seeing any glimpses here, I would probably have preferred to see this stretch out over a little bit of time. Then we get the silly, <laughs> that pissing contest where oh. old Perrin gets up and frowns and puts his forehead against ground. I mean, come on. Yeah, my note for this. <sighs> my well, lord. I got three notes. More mm. shit acting from Perrin. Mm. There's something in this scene that reminds me of the scene in the last Harry Potter movie where they're carrying the Horcrux and they all turn into assholes for really no mm. reason. Except that was done well. And the shoehorned bullshit love triangle mm. that may is it just there to break them up for the night? To <sighs> give them reasons to all fucking storm off and then have Look yeah, I don't get you know, we got a little tag here about Perrin proposing to Layla on the same day as Rand and Egwin. Should we call them Randon or Egrand? I don't know. But in any respect We will not be doing We won't be doing that. No. Fair. Look, I, I, we do not I do portmanteau names. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. If you're paying attention, this was not a, um, a surprise to anybody. There was a couple of longing looks that he threw, sort of stared at her a little bit a couple of times over the campfire when they were with the tinkers and whatnot. But to suggest that he then ran off and, again, if we had more time to sit and breathe with these people, that would be better. But it just seemed to be so, so stupid. Mm. So stupid. And just fucking parent, kid yourself. He's like watching a high school actor, kid in a high school play. He doesn't want to be there. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. We cut out of that bullshit shit fight to Lana yes. Moraine. It's a pretty dark beat here where Lan says to her, hey, you've at least given them semblance of choice. I'm like, that's... <laughs> Wait a second. She said, oh, you know, fine, make your decisions. Yeah. But one way or another, you fuckers are coming. I just like this Lan is right in on it. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, we're just giving them a semblance of choice. They'll be right. They're coming along. Again, it touches and it hints ever so much on the fact that Maureen is probably prepared to go the full tonk if she has to to get shit done mm. and that's cool again a character defining moment you certainly wouldn't see Gandalf doing that he was prepared to risk it but he still worked behind the scenes to get it happening I can't remember if I said it earlier yes if this goes this way then three of these people will die but mm. what are those three lives against saving the world exactly right said every despot ever <laughs> But it's true, the greater good and whatnot. And then, of course, Marine gives Land permission to get his fuck on. I actually didn't mind that as much, but it was a nice callback to the episode earlier. Yeah. Where he says, you know, tell her I said g'day, wink, wink. But Nanu Nanu is straight up stalking Lan. That was a bit creepy, you know. And then we meet that nice moment with the family. I nearly went, what the bullshit is this? Yeah. If they were going to be his parents, but they weren't, so that was fine. But we um, learn a bit about where Lan comes mm. from, what his deal is, which is yep. which is awesome. Yeah, that's it's fucking cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, he's this princeling. Mm. They have this lovely dinner and everything's cool and whatnot. When, so then Nanu Nanu and Lan are staring at each other. Then she follows him into the bedroom. Yeah. And they stare at each other. And I've so got this going in my head. <laughs> And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my God. Especially when he throws the jacket to the bed rather carefully. It's like, boom, boom, boom. So they get it on, which is nice, right? Yep. Here's the thing. Does Maureen close off her bond? Or is she feeling this whole thing? I've... <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I have it here. Let's hope she had the bond masked. But, well, she did when she went down to Fishtown. Yeah. <laughs> because she's a fisherman's daughter. <laughs> Exactly right. That's, no, oh my that, God, you people disgust me. There's the people out there who just, <laughs> yeah, you should be fucking ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
if she's sort of given him the nod, then you would assume that she would have. Right. But then he's surprised by it the next morning when it's... <laughs> right. Like, holy shit. That's exactly right. And it's like, bow chicka bow bow. <laughs> you nasty bitch. Maybe because there's that shared thing and they can feel it. Maybe that's the Ace of Die equivalent of hearing your roommate fuck and giving yourself a bit of a, a, bit of a tickle. <laughs> I don't know. Kidding. But I would, I would assume that the bond was masked. But then he comes yeah. out the next morning and say, hey, she's masked the bond. So yeah, yeah. He maybe if he had come in and said Moraine hasn't reinitiated the bond or yeah. opened the bond again, but no, there was because I asked the last episode of the episode before if warders could do it. Pretty sure you said they can't, so it's it has to be a one way street. I think it's the can they mask the bond? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, Rand and Egwene play out their little problem. The see the problem when Perrin isn't around to lift them up, these guys are Rand is a pretty shocking actor as yeah, well. Yeah, it's not good acting from him. She's um, far better. She's far better, but not by much. <laughs> I did think it was pretty cute. Rand are promising to be her warder. Her warder. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's cute. It's the thing is, this is my big beef. I've touched on this earlier, I'll, I'll hit it hard now. It doesn't have the resonance with it that it needs because this episode and the episodes in the season preceding it has been rushed yes and we needed to sit with these guys a little more we needed to feel their i mean we basically saw them look longingly at one another in the first episode he was excited to see her they bone and we're just to assume that they've you know well, that's that's not enough <laughs> like that's not enough because it'd be okay if he then goes off to war and we never see her again so now we know he's got something at home that he needs your sub characters need to be able to tell the story as well but yeah. she's not a sub character she's a major player mm. so if you've got two major players interacting with one another we need to know more about them yeah. and i imagine in a book you've got paragraphs and paragraphs and pages to talk about them prancing and frolicking through the fins and spinnies and you know like yeah. have have time with themselves it's so rushed. Yeah, we needed more time at the beginning to establish them. Mm-hmm. So then when they broke, they had then yep. time, A, for that decision to have consequence, mm-hmm. and then to have the time to build it back up. So when they get to a point where they're together again, it's meaningful. And exactly. then when he does what he did at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. you feel for her. Right. Exactly right. A hundred percent. Now, this show would have suffered dreadfully if it was a 25 episode mm. show yeah but 10 to 12 I, would have been spot on yeah I think 12 is the sweet spot for this one mm-hmm. I can't imagine the showrunners only wanted to do 8 so I'm really surprised that Amazon has taken the gamble before it's released they've given the go ahead for a second season yeah they've, they've got a big name in there with Rosamund Pike they're spending money hand over fist here on location Yep. They're spending it on effects. They're not jerking this thing around, but I swear to God. The- Just go that little bit extra and give them a, the time that the story deserves. You could have had a couple of nice bottle episodes there. We could have sat with an entire episode with Rand, Matt, and the Glee Man. Yeah. And then we could have sat with an entire episode of the Tinkers, Perrin, and... Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. And Igwen. And we could have sat with a little bit more time with them. Had a, and-, yeah. and we could have had more time in the ways. It should have been half an episode. Absolutely, and it should have been a little more perilous, and they should have been a little bit more sneaking around and whatnot. So how I would have opened it is I would have made pilot episode, one and a half hour show, and then 12 episodes after that, if this was my dream run. And at the 50 minute mark of your first episode was when the Trollocs would have attacked. 
And then the latter half of that would have been the aftermath of that. And then the start of episode two, a little bit more of that. But now let's start spending time with it. Let's do a couple of flashbacks. Let's do a couple of this. Why do we care that that, that entire village just got fucked on? That's what I would have liked to have seen. Yep. Why do we care that that woman, like, if they didn't mention Perrin's wife by name twice in this episode, you would have forgotten that she'd existed. Yeah, I completely. Yep. I, I mean, I barely remember she existed. Gun to my head, would not have been able to tell you her name. I actively try and forget that she existed. <laughs> well, so does Perrin, apparently. Yep. <laughs> So it's, that's sort of where I sat across this one. And, and of course, this is around the time we find out that Lan was the prince of a lost kingdom and whatnot, So, I, which I thought was cool. But hey, let's talk about that. Let's even have a little bit of a flashback. While he's talking, let him fade. And let's have a little flashback with that dude smuggling him out of the city. Like, just, just give us a little bit more. Just give us yeah. a little bit more tension. Yeah, let's see Malkia falling under the Trollocs. Let's... Yeah, the acting is not to the standard where we don't buy into everything they're saying. That's where it is. Even even Land's not that good. And Rosamond's been fluctuating a little bit. If the acting was pitch perfect, <laughs> then you could have somebody speak. Because even a couple of sentences from Sir Patrick Stewart, just to pluck a name, when he delivers any sort of monologue, take his monologue in first contact. When he says, the line must be drawn here, we fall back. And the emotion rises in his voice and his intonation changes and he moves and he gets aggressive and he starts... And so by the time he says, and the line must be drawn here, here and no further, as much as we mock that, you're there right with him. And you're like, fuck yeah, let's go get these Swedish motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's get down with the Borg. And then you've got that beautiful counterpoint with someone who's equally as proficient in her craft with Alfred Wooded, who just fucking cuts his legs out from underneath him because he may have. And that's powerful storytelling within a couple of sentences because we've got excellent actors. Yeah. We don't have them here, so you need to show more. I think that's my... No, I can see that. And I I've, I've written it. this in a strongly worded email to Amazon. <laughs> Dear Jeff, <laughs> you cock-shaped rocket-riding fuck. <laughs> I have not forgiven you for interrupting William Shatner. So Rand, I was right. Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Like, let's just jump straight to it. Yes. This is not earned. Right, I've got this sentence here. This is not an earned reveal. Yeah. This is something that should be an episode 11 reveal, right? There's nothing here. I've had a really hard think about it, and I'm starting to question whether or not I previously knew whether it was the Dragon Reborn. And what I actually did is I went back through my notes, and I've had a look at things and whatnot, even things that I didn't say in the episode. I cannot consciously remember you or anyone else telling me that Rand was the Dragon Reborn. Mm. I do remember that Rand was a lead character, but we learned that from the very first episode anyway. And I think this whole Rand being the Dragon has been set up properly if you were paying attention in the show. Mm -hmm. Little things, as I pointed out, the door. And then, of course, we get that recut where he was the one who mixed his channeling in with Egrin. Now, there was interesting there because his channeling kind of looked dark, but not that malignant black. I don't know, like maybe I just didn't pay much attention, but I kind of got him a, a mixture of the two, of the white and the black. Whereas, you I know, would when, have to pay more attention, I didn't. Yeah, really when Rog Rogaine did his shit, it was like this inky, malignant sort of black. Right, this tainted, <laughs> tainted yes. black. Whereas I kind of got Rand, wasn't quite white. I think he was black and white. I think it swirled together mm -hmm. to form a more powerful... Anyway, that's the way I looked at it. But I think... I think it was pretty clear. I don't. I, I was very surprised if anybody was seriously questioning who was what by this episode. I think if you have been paying attention, 
I think you would have picked it maybe two episodes ago who it really was. Yeah. Even if you just play the production game, as I, as I like to call it, when yeah. you sort of start looking at, well, they're spending a lot of time building up Nynaeve or they're spending a lot of time building up Egwene or they're spending a lot of time casting down at a pyramid. Here's Rand over to the side. Here's Rand. Like, it, it was just and a bit... Obviously, I can't comment because I assumed that they wouldn't change it from the books. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, that would have been a turn-up, wouldn't it? Yeah. I could only imagine. Okay, let's postulate that if they were going to change it, Mm. Who would it have been? Egwene? Yeah, I would have thought so. That would have been the choice that I think they would have gone with for the same reasons that you said last episode. Yeah. Perrin's got his wolf thing. Neneve is crazy powerful. Mm. Matt's got the dagger. Yep. Rand and Egwene just kind of bumbling along. There's exactly. no, There's nothing that calls them out yep. as, here's your special thing, here's your special thing, which defaults them to being mm-hmm. the biggest deal of them all. That's exactly right. So that's what I mean when I'd say the production game. Mm. Like you... I think I mentioned it early on, back when you used to watch the old Agatha Christie's Murder on the Nile and whatnot. You used to look at the cast because they threw the entire cast up on the screen. Mm. And you just went down through the list and go, okay, we haven't seen Maximilian Schnell yet. So as soon as he appears, oh, he must be the murderer. You know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> there, there are certain things that they used to do. I don't know why I started calling it the production game, but I just did. I start, I'd do it when I look at the time and go, oh, there's 15 minutes left in this Star Trek Next Generation episode. They better hurry up and find some dilithium crystals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, but I'm curious here, why did the Black Wind tell him he was the one? Because when he remembers back, the Black Wind doesn't say that to him the first instance when we all hear it. But when we go back, the Black Wind is the one that tells him. Martin Sheen says, I'm proud of you, Charlie. And he gives Charlie the knife. He gave him the knife. (laughs) He gave him the knife. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was really surprised by that because we go back and go, you're you're the one. Do we see him in that first Yes, because he hears she's never going to love you like you love her when he's talking about Gwen. Yep. The Black Wind says that to her. But was that something he heard? I don't know. Was this bit about you've always known something else, like something yeah. as, something additional? Yeah. I just thought that was very strange that the Black Wind told him. Why. I mean, maybe if the Black Wind got in his head and said, I don't care that you're the dragon reborn, you'll never beat me. I don't know what the Black Wind is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what its purpose is, apart from it's clearly something to do with the taint. Yes. Or maybe not. Yeah. Because, I mean, depends how long the minds of Moria have looked like that. L'Oreal doesn't say, like, when I was a boy and walked through here. He just says this used to be rich and verdant and yeah. green and, and what. Centuries. Yeah. That's so, a centuries ago thing. Right. So they've obviously known about that for a while, which makes the ways an interesting place yeah. to, to sort of be. You probably don't want to spend too much time there. Now, when he's doing the little flashback with his dad, his yes. dad's sort of hallucinating a little bit. Yeah. Who's Kari? Is that... Kari which, was did I, have his I, wife. Have I missed something? Right. Okay. So then we were rewatching. He mentions they saw the mountain before. Is that a Luke and Leia thing? Like that he because he was born on that mountain. That the dragon yeah, mount seemed. That was very strange. Very very strange. Yeah. And what was the name of this battle before? Where the, uh, the blood the, snow. Uh, the blood snow. So what, does that become relevant later? Like what George caused the change of heart? It looked like Not Aiel was fighting Rand's dad. Well, and we know it's not Rand's dad, but just for the Tam, I think his name is. Tam sees her. Yes. And instead of running his sword through her chest, because yeah. he's just wiped out everybody else, he decides, I'm going to help you deliver the baby and I'm going to look after this baby for you, where they're obviously immortal enemies. So what what caused that? You know what I mean? That's I played slightly different. In the book, he just finds the baby. Oh, uh, right. Yep. Not really the, yes. the delivery. <laughs> Look, I'm assuming that he sees that she's close to fucked and she's going to die anyway. I don't know. 
Yeah, look, I wondered whether he was a deserter originally. There were so many questions caused by this whole thing that I started to go, oh, fuck, what's this mean? What's that mean? What's this mean? What's that mean? Because there's a moment he says this to Min, what do you see in my future? And she says, a rainbow with three beautiful women. And I'm like, wait, does that mean something? You know, like, holy shit. Mm. So, that does. Right. Not sure about the rainbow, but the three beautiful women, certainly. Ah, okay. So is that is that something? It's, it's something, but not something super critical. Okay. So my problem, now you've, you've brought up Min. Mm. So the first time we see her, she looks at him and says, okay, Perrin, golden eyes, blood. Mm-hmm. Rand has a baby. And then when I was 12, I came around a corner and saw this guy, and I knew he was going to do this, this, and this. He was wearing going to wear red pants that day. And mm. he was going to have this little town, and there was going to be rivers, and all this other stuff was going to happen, and that was going to be you. The difference between these little tiny snippets that she saw the first time and an entire backstory when she explains what she saw, presumably when she saw Tam in Tarvalon years ago, that just clunked. That just... Well, yeah, I guess I'm with you on that. Except when she was talking about that earlier with Maureen, I really got the sensation she was holding a lot back. Hmm. And that's what I was saying to you now, or like before, when Rand's holding the baby... Does she know a lot more than she's actually letting on? Yeah. She's just saying, oh, here's him with a baby. Yeah, and she goes, which baby? And she doesn't say anything. I can't tell. It's just a baby. She might know, oh, this is the baby of this person. And she she, she has a bit more story that she's just not telling. Yeah. That could be it. Or conversely, was she overlaying that time that she met Tam and... This is the entirety of the wheel that she can see with this. Anyway, I didn't bump on that that hard. I just looked at it and went, yeah, I knew this bitch was holding some shit back. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was a little bit like the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's pointing at the TV <laughs> screen with his tricky hand. That's, that was me at that point. I fucking uh, knew you were hiding something, bitch. Uh, <laughs> so we get the dun-dun-dun moment where Lan comes running in, knocks on the door and mm. says, hey. A dingo stole my baby. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm no longer masked. I reckon if the camera had whip panned around to Nanu Nanu's face, <laughs> masked. Just, what do you? What? Uh, we're back there. See, that would have been a moment, unlike before in the ways when he says, "Oh, now we know how the Trollocs got through." Yeah, that would have been a nice whip man. But whoa, fuck the blight! What do you mean she was masked? Yeah. <laughs> like, so we get Rand goes to Moraine. I'm the Dragon Reborn, and off mm-hmm. they go. Yeah, which one assumes she might have said. Are you sure? <laughs> Do you know? Like, what, yeah. what was it about the... Like, I liked that he was missing with the arrows before and then he was just bullseye after bullseye and whatnot. It's nice to show that he's a cut above the rest. Yeah. He's something a bit powerful. But what I've done is I've straddled this horse and I'm just choking the fucking very life out of it. If we'd had a little bit more time, just a little bit more time. Let's take The Last Samurai, for example. Tom Cruise and Kisanada. They're sparring and then... That everyone comes and gives a little bit of advice. They're betting. Remember, they're taking bets yeah. on whether how quickly he'll get his ass kicked. Mm. And then that last minute, he says to him, "Forget everything. No mind. You're concentrating on too much of what's going on around you. Stop. Con- stop and just live in the moment of the battle." If we had seen a scene like that with Lan, where all of a sudden Rand fucks Lan over in a sparring match, you know, everyone's laughing, joking, ha 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 ha. Yeah. And Lan's just possibly even using his sword one-handed, and then and then. It really you know had to I mean? fuck this guy. Yeah. yeah, suddenly he's now holding it with two yeah. hands. Suddenly he's starting to sweat. Suddenly, and Rand himself, 
suddenly becomes very calm, very peaceful. His shoulders drop. He settles into his stance. And then, wah, 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 wah. And suddenly, Lan is disarmed on his knees, something along those lines. Moraine can kind of look over and go, what the fuck? Yeah. And that actually that exists. I guess that mechanic actually mm. exists in the book. Rand has a thing that Tam taught him called the Void, yeah. which is it's a meditation, effectively, mm-hmm. that he uses like when he's shooting arrows. He does this thing, he focuses himself, and he, then he shoots really well. When he's fighting, he finds the Void and becomes one with whatever. So that exists. And if we'd had the space yeah. to let it breathe... Look, clearly I don't make movies. No. <laughs> well, not ones that I, I'm allowed to show. But... <laughs> I can't imagine that would be something that would translate well to a visual medium. How do you show that? But something where, yeah, you've got that couple of moments where bookmarks it a little bit more. Bookmarks, not like that, that just highlights tags it. it. Just tags it a little bit. Yeah, tags, tags, it, tags it a little bit. bit. You know, oh, there's, wow, there's, hmm, that's good. Yeah, there could have been a few moments there. I could, I can see it where he misses a shot on a stag or something to try and feed them on their trip. Mm. And then Matt might chide him and go, oh, you're in your head again or something along mm. those lines. And then the next minute, he just sort of slows down. All the noise starts disappearing. You hear a slight wind rustle or something. He turns around and shoots a fucking pheasant out of the sky or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could do those sorts of things and possibly emphasize it more in, in sort of what I was just throwing together before with him and Lan having a sparring match. You yeah. know, like it's kind of been done. I just would have liked to have seen it because then it would give it more gravitas. The reveal would have been a little more something yeah. and had a little bit more bump. Yes. That's all. It's far too rushed. So rounding us off, we've got the blight. Yes. And yes, it's creepy, but it kind of feels a bit flammable. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it kind of feels a little bit like you just fucking get in there with some torches. Lovely blight to... you got here. Same if shame if something would happen to it. Awfully <laughs> flammable blights right. I mean is it like a Trifford is it Patterson's curse what does it keep doing does it keep growing do they all form a line with some garden shears I liked it it was creepy I would have liked to have seen blackened oozing ground that's what I would have and that's seen. more I think what it should have been not wanting to be book guy but well technically you are though like that's what we need you to be like yeah. If you, if you, yeah if, but it, not from a well if they'd done it in the book they would have done this yes yeah, like, so I completely we don't want you to be a book cock. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen a ground blighted. I would have liked mm. to have seen a ground barren and suffering. I would yeah. have liked to have seen... And maybe we'll get that when they get a bit closer in. Maybe, Like when yeah. they get a bit like, deeper in, closer towards the eye. But fuck, dude. The skeleton in the tree. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was I nice. got that. But I want something... A bit like... um, Is it the nothing in Never Ending Story? Yeah. Like it's just that encroaching blackness and nothing can stand up to it. Mm. There's almost a despair there. This, like I said, felt kind of flammable. <laughs> it did kind of feel like you could keep it at bay with a decent bit of roundup. And <laughs> and what the thing that got me is looking at it, it's almost like, okay, we've drawn this one little bit of thing. Shit, we've run out of time. Copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Oh, yes. Paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not quite that cut and paste, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I hope it gets dirtier and wronger and more corrupt the deeper yeah. we go in. I, I I would like to see a bleeding ground. That's what I would like to see. I'd like yeah. to see a... Like a, a, a twisted-ass tree pain. with blood sap, you know, and shit like that. Yeah. I. Anyway, I'm giving this episode a five. Okay. I'm prepared to see it through. Yep. I'm curious as to Endgame, but I've got to tell you, if this thing doesn't see a third season, I will be Jack's total lack of surprise. I didn't like this episode. I thought this episode had some good bits. I think I'm probably bringing 
a bit of book cock to my rating. I'm going with four. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice bit of book cock. But it's the seventh episode that we've seen, and it's the third fucking Silverthorn episode. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that really makes sense, because that's where Guy de Bastira, we find he's in that place up in the north with Silverthorn. Like, that's the bland, I almost said bland, there's a Freudian slip. That's the bland reveal in this yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, we find out that, that Guy de Bastira wasn't actually such a cock after all. Mm. <laughs> that's our moment. But you're right, it's such a Silverthorn, and that's not a bad pun on the blight. No. Just <laughs> being a that's weird. Right. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of this episode. The cold open fucking rocked. The cold open slapped. Yes. Slapped yes. with a big fucking open hand. 4.5 out of my f- 5 <laughs> is the cold open. Yes. <laughs> On the whole, yeah, episode's kind of a nothing. And mm. the reveal was anticlimactic for me, obviously, because I already knew. But for someone that didn't, I can't see how it would have been a, oh my God, wait a minute, yeah. that makes sense. Because your Kaiser Soze moment, there wasn't enough in there that had built it up for a big Kaiser Soze mm. Which is what it needed, I think. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. That's that's what I meant. It was not earned. It was yep. not earned at all. It was just, ugh. And it's a shame because I'm not sure which episode. I'll have to go back. Um, just look at the ratings. But one of them I was really chuffed with. Hmm. I think it might have been episode six. I was really really chuffed with this yeah. one. Or yeah. no, episode maybe episode maybe five. episode five. Yeah, one of them was really fucking top notch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking badass, you know? Yeah, it was it was episode episode five was the one. Because uh, that was um, when um, Loghain broke out, wasn't it? Yeah. And we had yeah, the, big, yeah, the big battle yeah. and, yeah. We've got the White Cloaks and we've got... Yeah. Anyway, there you go. What did I call uh, him? Randus Moses in a Basket. So, where does it go from here? Like, are we going to have this big climactic fight with something we know nothing about? Are we going to be introduced to the villain? I don't know. And then we've split the party again. We've left everybody back at... Faldara. Faldara, yep. Yes, with Trevor. Um, so, we <laughs> um, we've left everybody back there. Yeah. So, what are they... Are they going to do something fucking poxy, like try and fight their way through the blight? Like, oh, come on. Honestly, I hope Land shows some fucking leadership and says, no, but I've got this real... You know, we saw Stepan go ape shit and go chasing after yeah. what's-the-face. And like, he um, will. Yeah. Almost... almost uh, they don't split up at this point in the books. They go to the Iron yep. World together. So he has to, really. Yeah. It's just, I will say this. This is a bit in yellow. If fucking Lan goes, sole purpose is to go to the Eye of the World and die so Moraine can live, I will be dirty as balls. Because that's hack. <laughs> that's fucking hack writing. Oh. If it, that's that's hack storytelling, that's hack everything. Yep. So I just think that's that's just silly. But then it would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know well, what I mean? Well, because he just got laid this episode. And if you get laid, yeah. you die. That's exactly right. He's also the token Asian. So well, he's <laughs> he's got to go. Um, two episodes ago, I was tempted to pick up the book. Now I'm like, Ugh, I'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably not fair. And I, I will accept that completely. And I know there's a couple of our listeners, hey Pete, love the books and whatnot and would probably castigate me severely on social media, not that I'll care. That's not fair. I shouldn't judge the books that way. But that's how quick this series turned on me. In one show, I was like, "Eh, I won't tell anybody, but I might pick this fucking book up and have a bit of a read. Now I'm a bit like, even if it's starting to play, even if it remotely plays out a little bit like what it's playing out with now, maybe I won't bother. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I can say it's not. 
So yeah. <laughs> to keep the faint hint of book hope alive for the you. Chance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's where we're at for me. Final thoughts? I don't know how they're going to bring it all home next episode. I know how the book ends. I can't see that happening. But yeah, episode comes out on fucking Christmas Eve. Mm. So we don't know when episode eight's going to happen. Sorry, folks. <laughs> we'll find a window in there somewhere. T- tell you what, if you want episode eight, DM me on fucking Twitter or something. I'll give you my bank account details. <laughs> you can fucking pay me and we'll make it happen. Yeah. And as we should point out, thanks so much to d for calling us a bunch of hacks. Fuck you, buddy. How about that? <laughs> Get your shit together, you bunch of hacks. Wow. Look, like I said, I don't pay any. I mean, not, completely accurate. <laughs> look, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong at all. And that's that's the rub, damn it. <laughs> but yes, big shout out. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, Nate's already mentioned Twitter. He's, uh, what do you, where'd you handle that, mate? ACOP Nate. And I'm ACOP Woody. The ACOP Facebook page, ACOP Podcast Facebook page is still going. We don't have a Patreon or a parlor. No. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I guess until next time, I've been Woody, I've been Nate, and we're a couple of bricks. That old wheel is gonna roll around once more when it does. It will even up the score. Don't be weak. As they sow, they will reap. Burn the other cheek and don't give in. That old wheel will roll around again.